0: And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquart.
1: Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquart. Here Saturday or Sunday afternoon, you can listen to me on the radio, podcast, Facebook, YouTube, or TalkLawRadio.com. Today, I'm going to be talking about the debate for Congressional District 23, I went to this debate as an underwriter sponsor for the Bear County Republican Party, also sponsored by 930 AM The Answer, the radio station you're probably listening to right now. <laughs> well, there, this debate is unique here in Texas, in South Texas, because uh, Congressional District 23 spans from uh, San Antonio to El Paso and and all the way south it covers the most of the US Mexican border than any other congressional district isn't that interesting so there's a primary debate for the Republican party because a lot of people got upset with our current congressman Tony Gonzalez and I'll go through the reasons that some people were upset with him and He didn't participate in the debate, so I guess you can add one more thing to be upset with him about. Before we get started talking about the debate, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for our wrongdoing, and for our failure to follow your will. We pray that you would guide these primary elections so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We pray this for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue, Blind Spots, by listening to me talk about the law on the radio, podcast, Facebook, and YouTube and TalkLawRadio.com. I'm talking about the Congressional District 23 debate that was held on February 8, 2024 at the Aggie Park here in San Antonio, Texas. I was there, I witnessed it firsthand, and it was a debate that you shouldn't miss. If you did miss it, you can listen to this, and you might know something more about those who are challenging Congressman Tony Gonzalez. So I'll start with one of the big reasons that people were upset with him. Uh, There's quite a few challengers, four challengers in this debate. So there's five running. Tony Gonzalez didn't attend the debate, so everything spoken against him he did not answer to. And that leads me into what led all these four people to want to challenge him, and that's a censoring of Congressman Tony Gonzalez by the Republican Party of Texas. In um, March fourth, two 2023, the Republican Party of Texas censored Congressman Tony Gonzalez. Under Rule 44 of the Republican Party of Texas, it states... uh, a county or a senatorial district convention or a county or a district executive committee may after notice and invitation to the office holder to appear and be provided time to speak they may adopt a resolution censoring a republican public office holder representing all or a portion of that county or district They may be censored for three or more actions taken in opposition to the core principles of the Republican Party of Texas. So I hope you followed all that. I left some stuff out to make it easier to follow. But basically, um, they reprimanded uh, Congressman Tony Gonzalez by saying that he, he made three actions in opposition to the core principles of the Republican Party, and so there's going to be a penalty. I'll tell you about that in a minute. So the core principles are defined in the preamble of the party platform, as described in Rule Number 43A, or to the legislative priorities adopted at the most recent state convention, as described in Rule 34C. I didn't know these rules existed until I attended this debate, so I'm learning right along with you. Okay, there there were three decisions or three votes that he made in Congress in Washington that raised eyebrows for several or many dozens or hundreds of Republicans. The first one was uh, Congressman Tony Gonzalez was the only Texas Republican to vote in favor of supporting gay marriage. This action violated the Republican Party of Texas' sixth core principle, namely preserving self-sufficient families founded on the traditional marriage of a natural man and a natural woman. The second thing that he did, so that, that let me go back to that. That was the Respect for Marriage Act. And he was the only Republican. So that's why the Republicans got mad at him. The next thing was H.R. 5, January 2023. This was a, a, a vote on rules for the next legislative session, the 118th session of Congress. The rules package is a set of rules under which the House will operate for the next two years. Unlike the Senate, the House of Representatives passed its rules at the beginning of every Congress. Usually the adoption of rules is fairly routine. However, this year, The election of the Speaker brought the rules package to the public's attention. The most effective legislators get to know the rules and when they can be used with great effect on a piece of legislation. The House adopted those rules. Changes to the House rules affected how the House will consider spending and tax legislation, congressional authorizations, the congressional ethics process, and more. Congressman Tony Gonzales was the only Republican in the United States to vote with the Democrats against the rules package presented by then-Speaker Kevin McCarthy and his leadership team, thereby endangering the hard-won Republican majority control of Congress and the victories earned by conservative congressmen including his colleagues from Texas, through both cooperation and negotiation with the incoming leadership team. So the Republicans at the state level and the county level, those who participated in this censoring, they were mad that he voted against his party. Okay, there's another one. Number four, he failed to support H.R. 23, which was the Border Safety and Security Act of 2023. This would have authorized the Secretary of Homeland Security to suspend the entry of aliens, and for other purposes, sponsored by Texas Representative Chip Roy and co-sponsored by 49 other Republicans. Congressman Tony Gonzalez's district encompasses 843 miles of Texas border, the largest of any other district, yet he is the only Texas Republican not supporting this bill. He opposed the legislation, and this was one of the Republican Party of Texas's number two legislative priority, which is to secure the border and protect Texans. While a Opposing this legislation, Congressman Gonzalez um, complained that it was anti-immigrant. So that was another one. The the next one vote that people were upset about that got him censored was uh, when he voted for Senate Bill 2938, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which subsidizes red flag laws, imposes additional restrictions on otherwise legal owners of firearms, and expands background checks. This bill, which violates our Second Amendment rights, was signed into law by President Biden June 25, 2022. Congressman Gonzalez's votes in favor of this law violate principle number one, which is to support the strict adherence to the original language and intent of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States and of Texas, and Principle 8, which is the inalienable right of all people to defend themselves and their property. So I wanted to remind myself about what the bipartisan Safer Communities Act was. I did talk about that in 2022. Well, part of it was the expansions of this burn JAG grant program to incentivize states to adopt gun confiscation orders known as red flag laws. These laws, which allow for a court-ordered temporary revocation of an individual's right to keep and bear arms, present Significant constitutional issues and risk violating the due process rights of Americans. This is known as the take guns first, ask questions later law. The red flag legislation uh, s- does not require a clear and convincing evidence standard for deciding when to take someone's firearms. Instead, it would more likely lead to New Mexico's preponderance of the evidence standard, which means more likely than not. Clear and convincing evidence is, uh, you require more evidence to prove something than preponderance of the evidence. Preponderance of the evidence is more likely than not. Clear and convincing is requires more than that. So this is, this is what happened. Uh, the counties and the state Republican Party uh, complained to Congressman Tony Gonzalez about his votes, and they tried to contact him to ask him about this. And all of, the, all of their tries to contact him went unanswered. They contacted his San Antonio office on December 15th, 2022 January 6 2023 January 24 2023 tried to contact his del Rio office on January 6 2023 who directed them to send an email to Jalen Falcon at jalenfalcon.mail.house.gov and contacted his Washington office on January 6th January 18th and January 24th on January 13, 2023, Medina County Republican Party sent three certified letters with one delivered to the Washington office, the Del Rio office, and the San Antonio office, which were received. They, were, they received the return receipt from those, and all communications went unanswered. So he did have an opportunity to respond and explain why he voted the way he did. And, and maybe they wouldn't have issued these penalties against him. So let me find the, the the two penalties are that the state Republican party can republish the censor resolution verbatim. And that's what I've been reading from you for you today. The second thing is uh, they publicly discouraged Congressman Tony Gonzalez from participating in the 2024 Republican Party primary. Usually the party doesn't take sides in the primary, but in this case, they censored him because he didn't vote the way that they wanted him to, and he didn't respond to their questions, and he didn't attend the debate. Okay, I'm going to introduce the the people that are challenging him for his seat in Congress. Uh, the rest of the challengers were at the debate. Brandon Herrera is one of those. He's an entrepreneur, Second Amendment activist, and social media personality running for Congress in Texas District 23. This is from his website, by the way. With family originating in Texas, he was born in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, with both parents being from military families. He attended Campbell University with a focus on pre-law before leaving to focus on starting a small business in firearm manufacturing. Using a lifelong passion for firearms, he was able to build his business as well as large social media following, accumulating over half a billion views, using entertainment to promote firearm safety, Second Amendment advocacy, and becoming a leader in the industry. His vision, after increasing frustration over government overreach during the COVID lockdowns of 2020, Brandon came back to his roots and moved to Texas for good, bringing his businesses and employees along with him. He works with pro-freedom groups, both in the Second Amendment community and otherwise, including notable partners such as National Association for Gun Rights, Firearm Policy Coalition, Gun Owners of America, and Young Americans for Liberty. Brandon is a very strong constitutionalist who believes one of the keys to individual liberty is limiting federal power as much as possible and returning that power to the states to decide issues for themselves. Next was Victor Avila, a retired supervisory special agent with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Homeland Security Investigations under the U.S. Department of Homeland Security seeking the Republican nomination to represent Texas's 23rd Congressional District. I got this from Victor Avila's website as well. Since retiring... Victor has remained a relentless advocate for border security, speaking across the United States. He also authored a book called Agent Under Fire, a Murder in a Manifesto, recounting the story of the 2011 ambush by cartel hitmen and outlining a strategy to secure the border. He's been featured on Fox News, Newsmax, Univision, OANN, Telemundo, and various radio and podcast interviews discussing border security, drug smuggling, human trafficking, and other subject matters in which he is considered an expert. He's a lifetime member of the NRA who set the world record for the longest handgun shot. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Victor is running for Congress to finally deliver much-needed border security solutions, Unlike career politicians who say one thing but then do another, voters know that Victor is the political outsider and battle-tested leader we can rely on to follow through on his promises and deliver real results. Next is Frank Lopez, who became an ordained minister while serving fellow Border Patrol agents as their chaplain. And as a founding member of the U.S. Border Patrol Chaplaincy Program, he retired in 2018 after spending 30 years in service. He could have stayed another five years, but chose to retire uh, because God and America were calling him. Following his retirement, he became involved in the political arena as the campaign manager for grassroots conservative candidate Raul Reyes. Later, he was the Valverde County Republican Chairman and SREC Committeeman for Senate District 19. His resolve to preserve our constitutional values led to him starting the Valverde County Young Conservatives Club and founding the Champion Speaker Series, Conservative Heroes, Advocates, Mentors, and Patriots Impacting Our Nation. He's also active as a border security and anti-sex trafficking activist. Protecting, He says protecting life extends into his role as advisory board member at the Amistad Pregnancy Care Center, a pro-life ministry. He's been a youth pastor, Sunday school teacher, and assistant pastor. He currently attends Del Rio Christian Fellowship. His faith in Jesus Christ is central to his life and activities. Looking back, he can see that being stationed in Del Rio was part of God's plan. It was the site of two of the most pivotal moments in his life, his belief in Jesus Christ and where he met his wife of 30 years. He says the Lord blessed them with twin sons. His personal guiding principle is quite simple. Worship God, love his family, serve as nation. The last challenger for Congressional District 23 is Julie Clark. She's running for public office to help protect our constitutional rights and freedoms, to be a conservative voice for the Republicans of Texas, and bring representation back to we the people. She will support for the people and not her own agenda to bring back integrity and transparency into the office. She supports law and order and common sense values to promote legislation that protects the people in this country. She says she's a true Texan to the core. Her and her husband, Brian, live on a ranch in Yancey, Texas, where they raise and rescue animals. Julia is a mother who raised three children who have recently had children of their own, making her a proud grandmother. For decades, Julie was a top medical device representative, specializing in heart surgeries in South Texas. In addition, she owns a small business in Bandera, Texas, working to grow and support the community. Most recently, Julie was elected as Medina County Republican Chair, where she gained a reputation as a strong leader, not only in Medina Medina County, but statewide and nationally. Julie is an avid supporter of Second Amendment rights and has helped the Republican Party uphold the Constitution in every instance she was called upon. Since becoming Medina County Party Chair, Medina County has been recognized for its strong organization and for holding Republicans to true conservative values. As always a patriot, Julie grew up participating in the Daughters of the American Revolution, as well as the Ancient and Honorable Artillery and Daughters of the Republican of Texas organizations. Now you know who's running for Congressional District 23. Hopefully you can make a decision on who you're going to vote for based on uh, more information than you had before. Now last week, I talked about the debate for the primary for House District 121 and uh, Bear County Commissioner's Court Precinct 3. So if you want to hear that episode, uh, just go to podcasts or YouTube, or you can go to talklawradio.com. Something that they all agreed upon was the... Uh, Taxes were out of hand at the federal level. Um, Brandon Herrera said that the income tax was unconstitutional. Hopefully he pays his taxes anyway. (laughs) Um, Victor Avila said he hates taxes, and he doesn't like property taxes either. Frank Lopez said, we work for our entire lives. Property tax is criminal and illegal aliens don't pay taxes. They send money out of the country. Julie Clark said that she supported a flat tax, and she wants to remove part of the IRS when she gets to Washington. When asked if uh, January 6th was an insurrection, all of them said no. By the way, I talked about How to Define Insurrection, last week on the Saturday show. You can find that episode on Facebook and YouTube and podcasts everywhere. Also, TalkLawRadio.com. So I appreciate you listening on Sunday afternoons. I also talk about the law on the radio on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock in the morning, both on 9.30 a.m. The Answer and 6.30 a.m. The Word. You can also find me on podcasts everywhere, Facebook, YouTube, and TalkLawRadio.com. Send me a message at host at TalkLawRadio.com. That's H-O-S-T at TalkLawRadio.com. Let me know what you're interested in, and I can bring new shows to the market, to the listeners, to help you discover your legal issue blind spots. That's it for me. I'm Todd Marquardt. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later.